Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, once again joined by our panel of Wheel of Time newbies. Say hello, panel. Hello. hello. Joining us tonight, we've got Siobhan. Hey, everybody. DW's with us. Yo. Greg coming at us. How do? And Axel. Good evening. Uh, Samaria and David unable to join us for this special little episode. This is a bonus episode that we're throwing out at you today. Uh, we're going to be reviewing and, and talking about uh, the Wheel of Time Origins. These are some some fun little animated shorts that uh, Amazon hid in the X-Ray features. Uh, it's only available on, on uh, computer browsers as far as we can see so far. If you can find them. If yes. you can find them, yeah. They're, they're a little difficult to find. And, and we wanted to bring that up before we really got into talking about these episodes because uh, um, the, these episodes are fantastic. They're great. Um, I'm, I'm loving them. But it seems like Amazon's not giving them the love that, that uh, I think the rest of us want them to. So, uh, uh, you had some thoughts on that, Siobhan. Um, so I just... It kind of feels almost like they're put together as an afterthought. Like you have these stories that I assume are put together for people like ourselves who don't know the background material. Not everybody has a Ruark in their pocket who can tell them the background about, you know, the breaking of the world and all this stuff. But there, there's aspects of them I really love. I love the animation. I love the kind of painted scenery of the animation that, it's a style that I adore and I think it can be really effective, but then their sound quality, we all sat together right before uh, we started recording and complained about how terrible the sound mixing is. Like you cannot hear the dialogue and there is no uh, subtitles. So it's also an accessibility issue. It just, it feels like they, they have so much potential and they kind of just missed it. Yeah, I, I agree with most of what you just said there. DW, you have something. Yeah, it's seconding the idea that they're, they're, the animation was so interesting that when I was sent to go find these episodes so we could do the podcast, and the first images popped up, I thought they were live action. Just from the stills that had the play button on them, I'm like, wait, wait, where? No, I found something, but this can't be the animated <laughs> stuff. And it's it's not that it's like photo real, but those scenes were really, really detailed and almost oil painting-esque. And it was really nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you've got something. Yeah, so I think the problem is that it's hit like a corporate barrier. On the one hand, somebody had the bright idea to do these little, these little animated features to use a function of X-Ray that's really cool. And they start working on it. And then somebody points out that they're not available on all platforms. And so if they're not available on all platforms, then you can't make them too, like if they're really good, that'll piss off the audience that can't see them. And pissing off an audience is worse than making an audience happy, right? And so, <laughs> because people hate things they can't have, right? Yeah. See further, um, Star Wars fandom. Um, this is kind of where we're, we're stuck with it. Sort of like, yes, we want to do the thing, but no, we don't want to do the thing, but we're going to do the thing and ag. And, and this is what we end yeah. up with. Yeah. I mean, there's money put into this. This is, you know, there's money on the screen. It looks really cool. It's, it's, you know, it's just beautiful. There's some parts of it that look like rotoscope, some parts of it that look like motion capture. They all look like oil paintings. It's great. I just wish you could hear them. I wish you could see the dialogue. There's good stuff in there. It just makes it hard to get to, hard to find, and hard to get the info out of them. DW, what do you got? Well, kind of like as Siobhan said at the start, I do feel that they were an afterthought. I guess even the topics, I think, are things that they kind of went, okay, people seem to be, you know, the testing groups seem to be wondering what was this. So let's do a little short that describes that. Okay, so another question that kept coming up was this. So let's do a short to describe that. It's, it's a way to offer background without trying to horn-shoe it into the series. And it's not a bad idea in that. But as you're saying, uh, we, we want to be able to hear it. Um, subtitles would be fantastic. And uh, the, it, like Axel was mentioning, the it, it, you know if we can't get it on all platforms, the problem that I have with that is that most of the platforms that they can't get it on, they own. 
Like if you have an Amazon Fire Stick, you can't get an Amazon Short. Like that's that's not another feature. That's not another company that they have to work with. It's their own stick. It's their own app on their own stick. And that's where I sit there and kind of like, okay, yeah, this I, I, should have been better thought out before. I, going I feel down like this road. these these got kind of rushed out, half baked a little bit. Uh, I think, like oh, yeah, like totally you said, it, they might have been some of them might have been come about because of test audiences or something. Um, I think if they had just made sure that it was available everywhere, I mean, I don't see why it's not available because you can see the other uh, uh, behind the scenes episode stuff on on your TV. Whereas these, you have to come onto your computer to see, and and it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so you know, hopefully Amazon is, is hearing us and hearing a lot of the rest of the community who's who's saying a lot of the same things. Don't get us wrong; we love the show, we love these shorts, but make them available to everyone, and and you know, think about the accessibility too, because uh, those closed captions are really important for a whole lot of people. Yep. And now that we've gotten that out of the way. Let's get around to actually talking about these shorts because when you can understand what they're saying, they are amazing. Uh, so our first episode is uh, called "The Breaking of the World." Uh, it was written by Rami Park and directed by Dan uh, DeFelice. DeFelice, I, I think. Yeah, I would, uh, and, I would say. And uh, actually, all f- ah, there you go. Ah, could be. Uh, all of all four of these actually were uh, written and directed by by those two folks. So, uh, first one, episode one, breaking of the world. Uh, we start out, uh, and Aes Sedai is leading students down a hallway and uh, lectures them in a room. Um, and the Aes Sedai just says, "For centuries, our sisters of the Aes Sedai have sought to understand the breaking of the world. Three thousand years ago, Luz Theron and the forces of light struck the Dark One and sealed him away." Before he was imprisoned, the Dark One delivered one last defiant strike. The Dark One poisoned the source of power for male Aes Sedai. With this, Luz Theron lost his mind. He murdered his beloved wife. He slew his children. She bore him, his friends, his court, everyone. The Dark One released Luz Theron from his madness just to show him what he had done. But it wasn't Luz Theron alone who suffered. The poison spread. No male Aes Sedai was spared. And so the breaking the time of madness. It was a time of unchecked, unhinged rage that destroyed the world. They changed the face of the world and ended the age of legends. Humanity is driven to the brink of extinction. What few survivors remained are scattered across a broken and unrecognizable land. The breaking lasts for over a hundred years and ends only when the last male channeler alone is gentled. By then, entire civilizations have disappeared. Centuries of progress and knowledge gone. The rare lives we live today are shaped by this immeasurable loss. For those of you destined to take the shawl, it would be among the most sacred of duties as an Aes Sedai to protect the world from another such breaking. Uh, that was the, t- the, the, the voiceover during the episode. Uh, and we see a lot of interesting imagery with that voiceover also. Uh, what information did you guys pick out of that? We have a name for the first dragon for the first time. The uh, the the one shot that sticks out to me is after he's you know killed his family. He looks at his eyes in the blade, mm-hmm. and then flips it a little bit, and you see the eyes of madness. I love that shot. That was that was yeah. Beautiful. That that was a, a great little little uh, detail. So one of the things that I was curious uh, how it was going to pan out. I didn't have necessarily a theory on this, but. Um, Sometimes in some of these uh, books, when they're explaining like the history of things, sometimes it can be an explanation for something that isn't actually what it is. So in other words, oh, the dark one did this. And it turns out there is no dark one. It's just stuff happened that led it that way. And they used with their understandings, the dark one to explain it away. And that is completely, I think, not, I think that's all but uh, shot down by the fact that they had the dark one release him from the madness for a while so he could see what he could do that there's an intelligence there and that was yeah. that was the first definite thing for me of of oh man this is the dark one is is definitely evil not the the good that we got of potential in the last one yeah so so a little bit more about that um i'm glad that you picked up on on that and how evil that really was um the Another name that, that has been given to the dragon, uh, his name is Luz Theron. Um, his full name is Luz Theron Telamon. 
but he's also been been called uh, loose there in kinslayer and i think we know where that name came from after watching this um he he was the dragon at at the time of the breaking um as you saw he went mad after imprisoning the dark one and the dark one still able to to uh touch the world a little bit and and was able to make him sane to understand what he had done when he killed his entire family which i don't know about you but i think that would actually drive me even more mad than i than i had been to begin with so yep definitely that's a, that's an extra little touch of evil you know yeah. it's not it's look upon your works and despair that's that's personal yeah that's a little little uh change of uh perspective for the ozymandias yeah yeah very much so i i i'm not even uh uh thought of the the comparison to ozymandias there but that that's a really great comparison i like that uh dw well, one of the things I picked up on uh, from the text at the beginning of it was that people were scattered to the eight corners of the world, which is an interesting concept for there to be eight corners. Yes, that is a, a an interesting concept, and and I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, I have with me my first edition copy of Eye of the World, and I was going to read to you that that passage that started the beginning of that that but we'll get to that in just a minute first i want to discuss the imagery that we saw in that that episode uh we started out with a man in a castle uh, who we figure out pretty quickly is probably loose theron um you see some really cool dragon banners flapping around which what did you think of those couldn't really make those out um yeah one, one thing on on my system at least uh I don't know if it's, you know, what, what I have in my configuration, but there's some sort of uh, cabling issue that I have that I, it didn't allow me to see it in HD. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody is able to see it in HD. It, yeah, it, it's like you it, gotta it would have... only open up in about a half size window on my screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same here. It, it says it won't do HD because um, it doesn't have a fully secure HDMI set, which I think is something that you're not going to get on a PC, but you would get on a TV. But of course, they haven't made the video available on TV, just on computer. So it goes back to our original point about this not being well implemented by Amazon and upfront. Right. So there's details. There's details that I'm missing looking on my, you know, 20 inch monitor or so. Um some of the other imagery we saw there was uh, the Dark One. Uh, they, they showed uh, the Dark One being imprisoned. And what did we think of that? I saw flaming eyes, but I think they were different from the ones in the dream. So you think that uh, it, it was a different person than we've seen in the dreams so far? Yes. Yeah, it, the, the face was different. The way the eyes burned was different. So I don't think it is the Dark One. I think that was the dark one in the in the uh, in the animation. That okay. could just be a function of the difference between an animation versus a live production, though, right? Different, different artists. However, the concepts. way that one's set up, I have a feel. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Siobhan. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it could be different because different artist concepts of how different art direction. Yeah. Yeah. However, the way this this animation was done, I have a feeling if we saw a drawing of. Um, Nynaeve, we would see Nynaeve. Like I, I have a feeling they're still tied into what's being production-wise, done production-wise. So I have a feeling that there would be at least that conversation. And there's the marks on the face of the person that we're seeing in the dreams. So mm. okay, I think that those would probably have been included. Hmm. All right. Very interesting observations. I like that. And then we see a bunch of images of the world being broken. Uh, what did we think of these? I loved the effect with the map where yes. she has the map on the, the table that just crumbles. And then you see the ref, the reflection of the crumble in the outside world. Oh yeah. That mm -hmm. was amazing. I thought that was a, a beautiful effect. Yeah. Yeah. They did some really, some really great, uh, some great choices to show that, you know, not just a big boom. You know, there was a boom, a tremendous yes. kaboom, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was really really nicely done. Well, the the duality that I noticed from it though is like 
the map, a big hole opened up in the center of the map. However, the description they were giving of the world breaking seems like it may have been over time and in multiple locations and not like just a giant hole opening up in the middle. So I'm not sure. It left me a little uncertain of what the breaking of the world was. Okay. I, I can understand that. Go ahead, Shabon. I was just, just going to say, like, one of the um, images they showed was of all these people kind of trying to survive after the breaking. It very much reminded me of the idea of a nuclear winter where yeah, yeah, everybody's just so. kind of, you know, huddled around their, their, their fires in this desolate wasteland. Yeah, very much so. I, I, I picked up on that, that feeling as well. So moving on to our second episode... Um, this second episode is called the fall of Manetherin. Um, so we, we get more of the story of Manetherin that, that, uh, Moiraing told, told the, the kids as they were leaving Emmons field or sorry, excuse me, leaving the two rivers. I keep doing that. I'll explain to you why I keep doing that after the season's over. Um, <laughs> Ooh, teaser <laughs> teaser for a future episode i like it yeah yeah we, we got to do what we can to keep our, our listeners coming back stick around uh so uh this 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 episode the fall of Manethrin, uh we start out with an, an eagle flying through the air and then we get the voiceover a thousand years after the breaking battles still raged against the forces of the dark one with the towers of Manetherin to their backs, King Eamon and his army defended their people. Battling through unrelenting days and nights, they held their city against Trollocs, Dark Friends, and Red Lords until they could no longer hold the river from crossing. Behind the honor of the Red Eagle banner, retreat found no place amongst them. And the sword that could not be broken was shattered. From behind the walls of the emptied city, Queen Eldraine sank with King Eamon's death. And so her heart and kingdom found their end. And today in the two rivers where Manetherin once stood, the wheel continues to turn. Yeah, DW. Okay, who was the kid? And have we seen that crown already? <laughs> um, we have seen that crown. That was the crown that King Eamon was wearing in, in this little mini episode. But no, um, I, yes, I caught that. Yeah, My okay. thing was, have we seen it in the live action thing? Is it like sitting that's, on someone's shelf? Is that one of the kids? That's a very good like, question. I would, I would like to see if that... that is a thing somewhere um i can i'm going to tell you right now that is a big red herring the kid finding the crown that has nothing to do with anything okay yeah it, i i felt like they were trying they were getting a little of a smeagol golem finding the ring kind of vibe coming off of that and i wanted to steer away from that right away because <laughs> okay. i i knew that there there was so much interest in that little thing that it was going to lead down a a a path of very wrong ideas. <laughs> and, well, and there may I just not be so much out. interest in it because nobody can find the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Siobhan and I were discussing whether that was a metaphorical kid finds crown or, or literal. Yeah. Um, I think it was more def definitely more of a metaphorical image. So Siobhan was right and I was wrong. Ah. <laughs> I win. Um, what <laughs> stood out to me with that is that we, in the previous episode, we were told that it took a hundred years to gentle all of the male Aes Sedai. And I assume that kind of ended the massive cataclysm. And then another 900 years of fighting the forces of the Dark Lord after the Dark Lord's been put in jail. Right? Because uh, it's a thousand years. Um, I'm, I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of information there. It wasn't a thousand years of fighting the Dark Lords, Trollocs. Um, they, there was some time of fighting the Trollocs after the breaking, but, but the Trollocs eventually did kind of go away. And then a thousand years after the breaking, we get another event called the Trolloc Wars, where suddenly Trollocs came out of nowhere and, and started showing up everywhere. And, and it was a massive kind of world war type situation. Okay. All right, that makes um, a lot more sense. Really. Yeah, they didn't explain that in this little uh, mini episode, and I doubt that they necessarily are going to get that deep into the lore. But yeah, that that's actually what happened. In that right. Situation. So the the voiceover mentioned Trollocs, Dark Friends, and Dreadlords. What yes. are Dreadlords? Are they Fades or? Uh, what do you think Dreadlords are? I don't I'm know. guessing that Fades are a type <laughs> of Dreadlord. 
but I would imagine that there are others. Or is it more the human, uh, sort of the the officer core oh, of the of the, the of the dark ones army? Male, ice, male, um, male magic users, maybe that the I said I haven't been able to track down. Maybe that, well, maybe turn not to dreadlords. Maybe not necessarily dreadlords. I think you know, in terms of like a Harry Potter thing, I would, I would think of like a dreadlord as somebody like a uh, like a ah, uh, uh, dang it, what's his name? Uh, the Slytherin with the long white hair. What was his name? Oh, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, yeah. That that you know, sort of that that you know, officer in the army of the of the Dark One kind of thing. Okay. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and, and let you in on what a Dreadlord is. I just wanted to see where you guys were going to go with it, and where you guys went with it was pretty much correct. They're they're. Uh, channelers that serve the dark one and and are kind of the generals of of the dark friends and the and the trollocs and the and the 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 dark one's army so gotcha you, you guys pretty much figured that one out right away okay cool um so what was the king saying something in the old tongue so karayan kaldazar karayan an elisande al elisande uh, that means for the honor of the Red Eagle, for the honor of the Rose of the Sun, for the Rose of the Sun. Um, and uh, Queen Eldraine, who was King Aemon's queen, obviously, uh, was also known as the Rose of the Sun because of her, her hair. Okay, and cool. So it was the battle cry of Minethrin. You know, for the Red Eagle, which was the, the banner of Minethrin, for the Rose of the Sun, which is the Queen of Minethrin. Okay, cool. Spoon, <laughs> more or less, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard worse battle cries, yeah. So, um, Queen Eldrain was she an Aes Sedai? Yes, Queen well, Eldrain was an Aes Sedai. Okay, she she threw out that uh, blast of energy. Yeah, it was very yeah. much done in the white, um, kind of woven pattern that we right, see yeah. the female Aes Sedai use. It was definitely, yeah, definitely the same thing that an Aes Sedai would do. Uh, I don't know how that, how the Aes Sedai work with, you know, relationships. Um, right. You know, can they marry? What happens if they take on a new title, a new role, you know? Uh, would, well, would well you... I would say that this is also, remember, 2,000 years in the past from where we're at now. So who knows what, what social constructs were in place back then? Okay. And the king may have been her warder. I, I think it's pretty obvious that the king was her warder due to the fact that we know that Queen Eldraine was able to feel his death. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is like we talked about, or they talked about in the show, um, how they called for help and no one ended up coming, but they still held on for a lot longer than anybody thought they would. Yes. And knowing that, you know, there was an Aes Sedai there after we just saw how they perform in battle. Okay, now it's a lot more understanding how they were able to hold out as long as they were. Their armies and they had an Aes Sedai on their side. Yeah, and, but even that was only going to go so far. Oh, yeah, but it um, still lasted them longer than people would have thought them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a little interesting piece of trivia here is uh, the the forces that they were waiting for um to come save them uh take a wild guess where those forces were supposed to come from that was the dead city whose name i cannot remember you had mentioned that during the during that that uh, that episode yeah it's uh shatter logoth or shatter logoth, or yes. as it was known at this time arid hall uh, before it had turned to a complete deserted city, it was known as Arid Hall, and it was one of the ten nations that uh, Manethrin was also part of after the uh, that first rose after the breaking of the world. Um, so there's a little more interesting background there relating to uh, Manethrin and Shadow Logoth that we've already seen. I almost said Shagoth, but I believe that's uh, a uh, Cthulhu. Yes, Elder God. <laughs> <laughs> Which, knowing mistake. Robert Jordan and and places that he's pulled inspiration from, I I would not put it past him, honestly. Nice. You had something you were about to say, Siobhan? Oh, I just said it was an understandable mistake, given what happened <laughs> to the horse. Yeah, yeah, true. Very good point. 
This episode is brought to you by Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's the number four and cats with a K. Katie and Jordan have some awesome art they would love for you all to check out. They have custom bookmarks, prints, and even these beautiful book page posters that have passages from some of our favorite fantasy series like The Lord of the Rings, A Song of Ice and Fire, and of course, The Wheel of Time. You all really should check out Four Cats Boutique on Etsy and get yourself some bookmarks and amazing artwork. That's the number four and cats with a K. Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. Um, so I think we can move on to, uh, our third episode now. The, these, these are pretty short episodes, so there's not a whole lot to, to, uh, discuss. Uh, so episode three, the greatest warder, um, this little story that they tell is one of my favorite little lesson stories that they, they, that, that is from the books. Um, you know, in the books, be it from Gleeman or somebody telling a, a story to somebody else or whatever, you get all of these little legendary stories just in, in various places and times. And this one is one of my favorites. So I'm glad. Like the story you me. mentioned in the last episode about Brigitte. Uh, Brigitte, yes. Or Brigitte. Yes. Um, so this one is, as I said, the greatest warder. Um, and it starts with uh, some warders in the practice yard and, and the head warder saying, whatever comes, face it on your feet. And we see some some students fighting, and then the student gets knocked on his ass by somebody with a quarterstaff. The, the head warder says, hmm, get on your feet. Jerome Guideen. And the student says, sir, yes, the great swordsman. The warder says, hmm, a man without history. Only legends pass through the ranks of the warders. His prowess with a sword knew no equal. In battle, all who, all who should cross him found themselves at the far end of his blade, save one. Ten thousand victories and a single loss to a farmer with a wooden quarterstaff. His sole defeat became a legacy. Never again under, underestimate your fellow man. Respect the wielder, not the weapon. And that, that, that's the whole story. So who was the farmer? That's the whole point. Who just was the farmer? Dude. The farmer was just a farmer. Just random K. Just a guy with a stick who probably occasionally practiced with it in the backyard. This episode was one that really, I didn't, this one felt like it was just shoveled in. Like the story is there was a guy who was really good at fighting and he got cocky. Don't get cocky. Like it seems really, it's really trite. Yeah. Um, I, and... I can see where you're coming from with that. The sound on this one was the worst by a long yes, way. Like, by yes, absolutely. Far. Yeah. And the visuals were also super dark. Like, this was practically Game of Thrones level. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing, though, the, the battle imagery, you know, just the animation of them fighting, that's where I got the rotoscope. Yeah, that, that was absolutely right. There was an overhead that shot was... that was like, oh, yeah, they, they, they shot two guys fighting and just traced over. But... Yeah. uh yeah, looked great when you could see it, and <laughs> very cool when you could hear it. DW, you got something? Um, does it, did anyone else get the feeling that the the farmer with the quarterstaff was Tam? <laughs> oh, Ooh. that would be hilarious. I like that theory. I don't know that it was. I don't know why I got that feeling, but he's the badass fighter that we know is a farmer. And it feels like an interesting thing that might have been a reason that he got invited into being a warder is because yeah. like he bested the best swordsman with a quarterstaff. Now I want <laughs> that to be true. <laughs> Creating my own fan fiction. There you go. You know, I'm, I'm going to let that fan fiction stand because I, I like it enough that, hey, let's go with it. Plausible. Yeah. Uh, did we have any other thoughts on, on this episode? No, I, 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 like I said, I thought this was one of the best animated ones. Uh, a nice mix of techniques, although it really made it stand out. Whenever the the warder was was speaking to the student, the the mouth movements were really not yeah, great. Yeah, that, I mean that looked like a you know PlayStation two level uh, you know mocap type thing, but <laughs> everything else looked great. Yeah. And they like the end where they were, you know, who's the greatest swordsman and everybody's chanting something. I don't think it's not supposed to be intelligible. I think you're supposed to hear the answer. Yeah. And and I can tell you their answer is all shouting in unison, Jerome Guideen. 
Okay. There's so they, I, I didn't know if like it was there was a a hidden answer to that question because of Jerome Guiding's story, which is kind of a cautionary tale. I didn't know if there was like a trick answer to it. Uh, yeah, that's Yahoo farmer with a stick. That actually brings <laughs> exactly. up something exactly. uh, something I've I, I don't think has been stated outright before, but uh you, you all seem to have picked up on the fact that uh Gaideen is the honorific to warder as Sedai is the honorific to to magic user, as it were. Hmm, okay. So yeah, this this episode, The Greatest Warder, and I'm, I'm it, it hurts my heart to hear all of you say that it's it, it's kind of your least favorite episode because it just kind of feels shoehorned in because this story from the books is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I guess all of them from the books are my favorites, but this one's one of my favorite favorites. Um, one thing that makes me sad about this, though, is the fact that this story is here kind of indicates to me that the situation where this story is told in the books is not going to happen. So... I'm I'm a little sad by that, but I am glad that we got to hear the story. Was there any, because they seem to be uh, in connection with the episodes. Was there anything in episode three that uh, could have worked um, as a No, I think it was, I think it was really just a, a way of showing kind of a little behind the scenes of the warders and, and a little bit of warder training just to kind of put the scene with, with Lan and, and Stepan doing training and a little bit of, of, Clearer well, and I think we all enjoyed the story. I don't think it's the story mm-hmm. that we didn't enjoy. Yeah. We didn't enjoy not being able to hear parts of the story. <laughs> right? Very much so. Okay, so that's we, fair. I don't enough. think it's anybody's I, not favorite because I, we're like, this I, is stupid. I, I, I guess I I was able to pull a lot more out of these because I knew what they were getting at, so I didn't have to try to make it out. So I guess yeah, that that might be where where the difference oh yeah, is watching be. opera yeah. is so much more interesting if you already know the story. But yeah. if you go not knowing the language and don't know the story, opera can be a real challenge. Yeah, <laughs> especially if they don't have subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Uh, go ahead, Javon. We actually watched the episode like three times and then went online and we're trying to find transcripts because we just could not make out what the guy was saying. And there is a wiki that has transcripts of all of the minisodes. But for this episode, the transcripts have unintelligible at the beginning and the end parts. So it's not just us. The guy responsible for the subtitles didn't know what was being said. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so, episode four, Sidin Sidar Stone. Uh, this one, uh, it's, it's, it's back to our, our Aes Sedai teacher uh, teaching our, our students. Um, and they're on a, on a bridge above the river near, near uh, Tarvalon. And the Aes Sedai says, born in the spine of the world, its waters flow almost entirely unimpeded until it finds itself here when the island of Tarvalon splits the mighty river Arinin into two halves. Thousands of years ago, long before the walls of our great city were raised by Ogier hands, there existed a great era of humanity. The Age of Legends was a time of advancement, philosophy, science, technology. What little knowledge survived the breaking alludes to incredible progress. Society benefited through true collaboration as female and male Aes Sedai worked together with each half of the one power. Sidar and Sidin, women and men, halves of the whole, two paths from the same source, the true source. When men touch Sidin, it's wild and unwieldy, a raging torrent resisting. And after the Dark One corrupted Sidin, the madness is unavoidable. Tainted upstream, the two cannot be separated. When women touch the true source with Sidar, we surrender and guide. It is gentleness we find in its infinite power. To master these waters will take time and practice. My daughters, let us begin. Empty yourself of your thoughts. The only thing in your mind is the bud of the flower. Only that. You can see every detail, every vein, every leaf, every curve. Feel it. Know it. You and the bud are one. And that's our scene. Initial thoughts. This was a really good uh, visualization of how it works differently with the uh, with males and females with the one power. Uh, yeah, the, the the way the the 
they kind of show the man like on fire and kind of in a torrent and, and getting buffeted every rich direction while the, the, the woman just kind of gently floats through the water towards the surface. Well, and also they, they, the way they describe that even before the madness was there, the male access to it is wild and unruly and you have to fight it. And I, that it, it's an interesting aspect that the, the madness seems to have only just made it that slightly bit worse. Yeah. There was a really nice uh, visual piece in there when she's talking about them being the two parts where you see um, the two spans of the bridge just after right. you've seen two Aes Sedai walking across the bridge and putting two lanterns into the river. Um, and there are, there were, I think, like two or three other twos. The whole kind of visualization of these are two different paths. Yeah, it's really good. And this this episode, I thought, was just really pretty. The, yeah, the two like different paths in collaboration. When the the flow of magic splits in two, much like the river does at two rivers. So where the whole story starts is in the same kind of aspect as magic splitting in two. Oh, that's. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but I like that a lot. Ah, oh, you nailed it. <laughs> Way to go, Debbie. Good, good job. <laughs> Another thing I really liked in this episode is that it was it this episode that we saw the towers, or was that in the first yes. episode? They were right. talking about the um, the Age of Legends, and they showed this visual of like looking up at these massive tower blocks, uh, these, skyscrapers. Like, skyscrapers. Yeah, I called it. Yes, yeah, not only skyscrapers, like futuristic skyscrapers. Yes. You know what? It looked like Dubai to me because you have this um, Dubai. In the I don't know what the, the periphery of the city is like, but you, you've seen images of Dubai when it's downtown where it's all brand new buildings because mm -hmm. it was all built at the same time rather than most cities that are built layers on layers. And so you have these, this incredibly modern cityscape and you're standing on the street and you're looking up at these beautiful structures and um, I, I can't recall who it was that said it, but in the very first episode, there were some scenes of cliffs where where you saw windows and said they looked mm -hmm. like shadows. That was me. Buildings. I saw that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. There's your buildings. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> so, so what do we think about the Age of Legends at this point? What, what are your theories about uh, anything to do with the Age well, of Legends? I, I have a quick question first. Mm -hmm. Um. So the story is taking place in the third age, right? Correct. So the the quote at the beginning of the first one of these animated series says that it was written by somebody in the fourth age. Is are the books written in such a way that they're telling the story of the third age? Um in in a way, I guess you could say that, yes. So in a way, those like reading the story know that a fourth age happens. Like the, the wheel doesn't completely get destroyed and, and everybody dies in a big fiery pit. There, there is a fourth age that comes. We know that bit via that, right? Possibly. Or maybe not. I, I think I'll take this point to point out that uh, um, Robert Jordan's uh, um, degree was in physics. Uh, he worked in Navy uh, with a physics degree. So I think that uh, tells us they probably knew a lot about nuclear physics and, and possibly uncertainty and, and things of that nature. And I will just leave it at that. Copy that. Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It definitely implies that um, the age of legend technology was much more advanced than it is in the world that we're seeing um, in, in the show. So that, the world of the third age. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's entirely possible that the collapse of the first hundred years looked an awful lot like nukes blowing up, you know, like we talked about some, she want I think mentioned, suggested a nuclear winter kind of a look. And if they would, you know, the Aes Sedai were power, use it, had, you know, nuclear power, nuclear power generators. And then they went boom. Uh -huh. Or they were themselves because as they channel things through. The mm -hmm. queen in the third mini there exploded 
you know, yeah. she burned herself up trying to trying to to save her her kingdom. That is a theory about the source of their power. Mm. The source. Interesting. The source, the singularity. Hey. <laughs> One of the things I really like about these stories as a whole is they are told from the perspective of the people who are um the people who are who are there. Like it's it's the current perspective of things that happened in the past. You don't have some disembodied you know, outside voice saying, well, this is what happened. You're getting the stories that people are telling about their own past and the time before written history. Yeah. And, and who knows if those stories are hundred percent correct because are all of our stories about our history correct or, or do we even have all of our, our, all of the, the pieces for our own history, much less their history that, that is from a, uh, an age after breaking the entire planet. And I mean, even, yeah, the best that we've got from 3000 years ago is a long way from complete, likely accurate, huge amounts missing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some of the other Im- imagery from this episode, uh, to get a- away from the age of legends for a moment, uh, the, the, the discussion of, uh, um, the the Aes Sedai who's who's talking about the rosebud and and the water and surrendering to allow it to guide us and and all of that um once again just talking about how much difference there is between uh, uh the male channelers and the female channelers and I I loved all of that imagery right there it was very similar to Egwene's initiation into the mm-hmm. it, it was very similar to Egwene's initiation um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys in on something here. Um, early on, somebody was speculating that when Moiraine was, was talking to um, Egwene and teaching her how to do it, they were, uh, there was a speculation that uh, Moiraine had tailored that to Egwene in that moment to, to try to help her out, and she did not, actually. That is... You know the the surrendering yourself to the stream and flowing down river is is one of the ways that they teach in in the White Tower to embrace Sidar. Um, I love the fact that they turned that into a a uh, a ceremony to visually explain that right at the start of the series, rather than you know just have somebody say, "Oh yeah, if you want to touch Sidar, you have to just you know get pretend you're a stream." You know, it, 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 it's a lot more interesting when that they actually put it on 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 the screen. Mm-hmm. It's it's also interesting that that uh, that ceremony exists in that fashion. Could an Aes Sedai have started that once yeah, upon a time by the Council of Women way back when? Could an Aes Sedai who may have been a queen in that very place many years ago have started something of that effect? Yeah. Got a lot of things to think about there. Yeah. Um, but that's really about all there is to think about with that episode. Uh, that concludes our four mini episodes. Um, earlier, I had said I was going to read to you from the Eye of the World. Um, I was going to read that that uh, intro that we had on the first episode. And that intro, it, it's one of my favorite parts of all the books. And the shadow fell upon the land, and the world was riven stone from stone. The oceans fled, and the mountains were swallowed up, and the nations were scattered to the eight corners of the world. The moon was as blood, and the sun was as ashes. The seas boiled, and the living envied the dead. All was shattered, and all but memory lost, and one memory above all others, of him who brought the shadow in the breaking of the world, and him they named Dragon. That was author unknown from the fourth age, as uh, D.W. pointed out earlier. Um, I, I I just I love the intensity of that that quote in that little piece of of almost prophecy, as they're talking about the age of legends all the way from the fourth age. Um, well, uh, so in, in the same way that the age before the age of legends, um, is kind of myth and unknown. 
to the fourth age, the age of legends would be myth and unknown. Very much the, so. The, the distance. Um, but I also, that, that, four, that eight corners of the world is an interesting concept to me. And it's making me wonder, like, do they look at the, their world as a wheel? And if their world is a wheel, is it kind of an octagonal wheel? And so there are eight corners in that way? Or Maybe eight spokes. Eight spokes, or are or are they? Do they view themselves as being inside a cube? Which we, has we do corners. know that the wheel itself is seven spokes. That that okay. is that is part of the lore. Um, so yeah, I've I've always been interested about that eight corners of the of the world thing too. I mean, it's world building. Who knows? Yeah, and, and an interesting. I, I I so I take it from what you're saying that it never really gets explained. So it's an interesting world building thing that he kind of put out there and went, determine this as you will. And and these are great little world building things that he put throughout the books. Uh, every book opens and closes with quotes or passages from, from things written in, in sometimes from the age of legends, sometimes from the fourth age, sometimes from the third age, sometimes it's from prophecy. Sometimes it's just from somebody's essays on whatever, but they're always just, fascinating and little glimpses into the world and part of why i, I feel like this is such a a well-developed world um and and i wanted to follow that last little quote up with the second quote that's on the opening page of eye of the world that they didn't include there but i think is also equally interesting and it came to pass in those days as it had come before and would come again that the dark lay heavy on the land and weighed down the hearts of men and the green things failed, and hope died. And men cried out to the Creator, saying, O light of the heavens, light of the world, let the promised one be born of the mountain, according to the prophecies, as he was in ages past and will be in ages to come. Let the prince of the morning sing to the land that green things will grow and the valleys give forth lambs. Let the arm of the Lord of the dawn shelter us from the dark, and let the great sword of justice defend us. Let the dragon ride again on the winds of time. Again, author unknown, the fourth age. Hmm. From the mountains. From the mountains. Isn't that interesting? To the deserts. To the prairies. Wait with foam. <laughs> God bless them. Sorry. <laughs> God bless Manetherin. <laughs> I was trying to think of what city to insert. <laughs> it's like two rivers. No, it doesn't quite work. Detroit. No. So yeah, that that's the four episodes uh, that we've, that have been released so far. Uh, we enjoyed them. We didn't enjoy some aspects of them, uh, but I'm, I'm really interested to see if they, they do more of these and hopefully take some of the, the fan uh, feedback on some of these future episodes. Uh, but right now we do want to say thank you to Michael and Jen. They're, uh, our, our hosts at the watch party, secret Island headquarters, Michael and Jen, we love you. We love you. Love you. We love you. Yay. Yeah. You shouldn't have paused so long there. Let's try that again. Michael and Jen, <laughs> we love you. We, we love you. We love you. And, uh, the love doesn't stop because we also love Jordan Rennell's for his work doing the audio engineering. Remember four cats boutique is his shop. We're advertising for him. Be sure to check him out on Etsy. Jordan, Jordan does amazing things for us. Yes. We do not yeah. sound this good. <laughs> if you could hear how bad we sound right now while we're talking to each other versus how good we sound when we end up on that podcast, you would be amazed. I regularly sound like I'm on helium. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, send an email to watchpartywot at gmail. Uh, that's watchparty followed by W-O-T at gmail.com. Uh, send your questions for the panel there. Send any uh, love letters there. Uh, if you don't like what we're doing, then, you know, uh, don't send anything. We don't need to hear that. Uh, and if uh, if you really enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. And if you can get out there and, and, and give us a, a review on Apple that really helps our rankings. I thought long and hard about if I was going to say that last thing or not, because one thing that always annoys me about podcasts is they're always saying, Hey, go ahead, get a review. Hey, hit the, hit the subscribe button. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys always say that. And you know what? Now that I have a podcast, it's important. 
It's really important. <laughs> those they reviews, do that for a reason. Yeah, those reviews are, are are how we get noticed, and we are getting a lot of notice already. We're 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 coming out of the great gate screaming. We've already got about uh, two hundred listeners that are coming back episode to episode. We're, thank you, we're, listeners. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, those that have been continually listening to us already. Thank you, thank you for your support. Yeah, we've been getting. I've been getting a lot of, of fan fan uh, interaction already. People talking to me. I've been passing a lot of that on to you guys, and and we're we're blown away by by how much the the we've already got a fan club going on. So thank from the bottom of all of our hearts, thank you to all of you fans who have been who just jumped onto this with us. Yay! Hey, thank you very amazing. much. It's it's been so much fun. And uh, yeah, with that, this has been Watch Party Podcasting Empire Production. And now, final word from our panel. What aspects from the show would you like to see uh, expanded on in, in one of these future animated episodes? Ooh, origin of Trollocs. That Ooh. would be fun. I want to learn more about how the Ajas were established. I think uh, in the very first animated short, we got our very first scene with a uh, brown Aja, mm-hmm. the woman who was giving the lecture, I believe was wearing a uh, mm-hmm. brown cloak. I want to learn more about how they were established, how people choose what Aja they want to be a part of. Like I just, I find that uh, aspect of the, the Sedai training really interesting. Well, they don't go to... Into- go into it in the show. Yeah, that would be, be great to see animated. Axel, what do you got? I'd like to see more about the way of the leaf. Mm. Like the origin, how they've survived so long. The, the, the culture that that's built up around. It's really cool. Yeah. Nice. I, I would like to see that very much myself. Yeah. Absolutely, I would. When I think of short animations, I think of comedy. So, Trollocs Summer Camp. I want to see them swimming in lakes. <laughs> and eventually okay, have to get Bill Murray for this. He needs to be the camp counselor. <laughs> Meatballs three. Trollocs gone wild. <laughs> A Trolloc lifeguard. That's got to be one of the one of the worst jobs ever. <laughs> the Trolloc, that's a constantly rotating job because every time somebody jumps in, new one has to become the lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs>